This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, I am Vulture Senior Editor Jesse David Fox, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. And boy, is this episode about jokes, as our guest is one of comedy's foremost joke purists, Lori Kilmartin. Lori, who co-hosts the podcast The Jackie and Lori Show, with fellow comedian Jackie Cation, and who recently released her third book, Dead People Suck, a comedic memoir about the same time period that inspired her celebrated comedy special, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, is a classic comics comic. With over 30 years under her belt, she is a tried-and-true stand-up who tirelessly and precisely writes jokes. It's a skill that helps her in her day job as a monologue writer for Conan. But the focus of this episode will actually be from when uh, she performed on Conan during the summer of 2017. Of course, last season we had Naomi Ekper again talking about putting together her first TV set, but Lori offers the perspective of a veteran with plenty of TV credits under her belt. We specifically discussed the joke that makes up the back half of her six-minute set, No Inglés Domingo, but as she explains, the first three minutes was all deliberately chosen to set up the second three. So, here's Lori Kilmartin, and then Lori Kilmartin and me. disappointed. I'm I'm very glad to be here. I'm I'm pretty stressed out. I have a 10-year-old son, and already at age 10, we've had multiple discussions on masturbation etiquette (laughs) at 10 years old. I was like, please do not knock on mom's door when she's masturbating. (laughs) That's my time. Get your own apple juice. I'm working on my own juice box. Thank you. I, uh, I can't believe my son is 10 years old. I remember when he was so tiny, he fit on the front steps of a nearby church. <laughs> he followed me. Um, I am a single, uh, single parent, and uh, I don't date much. Uh, when I do date, I try to have sex on the first date. Uh, that's not even a joke. I just like to get the word out when there's a crowd and TV cameras. Spread this clip around, please. It's not because I'm promiscuous, it's because I'm efficient. I, I have to be. My babysitter costs $16.50 an hour. I can't afford to go on dates that don't end in penetration. It is fiscally irresponsible. <laughs> One time I was on a five-hour date, and at the end of the date, the guy tried to kiss me goodnight. And I was like, oh, no, you don't. You either take off your pants and join me in my garage, or you give me $82.50 in cash. He did both. <laughs> nice guy. Um, I, I'm assuming there's some single parents here tonight. A couple. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming out here. I appreciate it. Uh, the rest of you guys, uh, statistically, many of you will be single parents. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know you're in a great relationship now, but I have bad news for you. Love dies and children live. <laughs> I hope that joke saved a life tonight. I really do. (laughs) My son's father is Mexican. And uh, thank you. Yes. Uh, I was going to name my son Pablo. But then one of my white friends goes, wait a minute. Your son already has a Hispanic last name. Maybe his first name should be something more common, if you know what I mean. 
Yeah, well, I, I think I know what she meant because I named my son Mohammed. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the most common name in the world. <laughs> Mohammed Martinez, that's my son. He's already been accepted into nine universities. <laughs> and escorted off of 12 airplanes. <laughs> it's not easy for that guy. My son is uh, much darker complected than I am, and he's very obsessed with race right now and ethnicity. He goes, Mom, am I white or am I Mexican? And I was like, honey, I don't know how to answer that question. Let's ask a cop. <laughs> They're the experts, and uh, we did, and it turns out my son is Mexican. So. <laughs> Hispanic male, age nine to 11, backup, I need backup. That's exact words. I, uh, I would like my son to be fluent in Spanish. Um, that is muy importante to me, don't be intimidated. Uh, so I make him take a lot of Spanish classes. I also do this thing where I don't let my son speak any English on Sundays. Um, it's a game that I invented, and I call it No Inglés Domingo. <laughs> no English on Sundays. And uh, how it works is every Sunday, I put my son in a different life-threatening situation, <laughs> and I make him talk his way out of it in Spanish. Because I believe you can't be fluent in a language until you can plead for your life in that language. <laughs> anyway, a couple of domingos ago, we were on a walk. And we walked by a swimming pool. And my son doesn't know how to swim. So I, don't get ahead of me. I, I pushed him in the pool. I said, let's see what you got, Mohammed. Impress mom, right? And he immediately defaulted to English. He started yelling, help. I know English, Domingo. As you can imagine, I was livid. I said, I would love to help you. Dígame en español. So then my son goes underwater to think. <laughs> it's so quiet under there. If you ever have a chance, give it a shot. And then he just shimmies out like a dolphin and he goes, Ayudar! <laughs> now, Ayudar, if you speak Spanish, you know, it is a Spanish word, but it means to help. <laughs> to help. That's the infinitive. That's unacceptable. <laughs> Guys, when you're drowning in English, do you yell, to help? It doesn't make sense. So that's not how you drown in Spanish. I said, mijo, you conjugate that verb properly. Or you're gonna die. And guess what, he did it. He goes, ayúdame, puta. Oh my gosh, what a Mother's Day. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was Lori Kilmartin, and uh, we are here with Lori Kilmartin. Thank hey. you for thank you for being here. <laughs> uh, so that set came, uh, I believe you did on Conan in uh, June 2017. Yeah. Or so, so the summer 2017. Yeah. Just for context, I want to sort of set up a timetable uh, in terms of what is your process for getting on. You know, when is sort of when are you starting to talk about booking a set whenever down the road? My process is I get very resentful <laughs> and I hold on to it for about a year. Mm -hmm. And I think because uh, I run into JP, maybe he picks up on it. JP, the booker. Of, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, I, I did one in 2012 and then I did another one in 
2017. So there's there was like a long time in yeah. between. And um but that was okay because I was working on other stuff and and I felt glad that I had gotten on in 2012. It was if I did it in June, I think like November is when I really started to try to come up with five minutes. So by November, will you have spoken to JP? Or, no, no. So you just in your head in that November, you're like, yeah. I'm going to start. Yes. And then just for perspective's sake, at what point would you then have brought up, mentioned it to JP? I didn't. What I, I ended up being on a couple shows that he was at, and oh, I was really just working this one chunk really hard and trying to put it together for somebody. I mean, I, I could have sent it to Colbert, too, or somebody. Um but uh, of course, it's a lot easier <laughs> to yeah. go downstairs and do it. But um, uh, so he he had seen it a couple times and then just sort of brought it up. Um, it's almost like I must have been a zit that was about to needed to be popped and he could probably sense it. What do you think was the sense of you that you're like, I need to do a late night set right now? What was in your bones being like time to start working on one? I had worked on a special for a while, and uh, I and I wanted oh the the audio of it was going to be released. Uh, a special thing was releasing it, so I kind of wanted to time it with that so I could um, get some promotion about it. Although when you when they cl- when they when Team Coco puts the clip out of a late night set, they don't have the intro on it. So <laughs> whatever you were, unless they were watching at, <laughs> yeah. at, at on TBS that night, they didn't you know w- weren't aware of what I was trying to promote. So at that point in that November. You- did you have any idea of anything you knew you wanted included, or you were basically starting with nothing? I had some short parenting jokes that I liked. That I thought the um, the masturbation joke was a a good poppy opener, and the church step jokes was church steps. Sorry, that came a little bit later, but I'm always like on the hunt for little short jokes to open a set with. Yeah, um, and then the. The stuff that was a little bit longer, the Spanish stuff uh, came. That's when it that took a really long time to put together, and I I still feel like it's not done yet. But it's been recorded, so I I try not. I'm not going to spend a lot of energy working on it. Other than we're going to talk about it nonstop for the yes. next ten minutes. Um, <laughs> did you have sort of a big picture idea of what you wanted from it? No, I I was just writing about my life as is at that moment, at that time of my life, um, with with a son that age and. Uh, uh, being a single parent. And so it was sort of, it was coming from that point of view. Uh, it sort of, it kind of all meshed together nicely, I think, but I wasn't trying to do that on purpose. But, but I think what, if you're a comic that's writing about your life, you know, you're going to accidentally write it in, in a perfect order, I think. So now we'll, uh, I guess, get to the point where the spark of whatever became known Glace No Bingo, um, <laughs> because something had happened that he said, right write this what was the sort of like what was the real life event and then sort of what are the next steps just to get it to a point where you're going to write something in that Um, vicinity my kid is half hispanic and i was sending him to a bilingual school and uh, i had to it was like a 45 minute round trip every morning and i took him out and i felt really guilty about it so some first that was just on my mind and i was and that I I was trying lamely to teach him Spanish that I I learned in high school. I mean, it was just like, so so that was sort something to I guess that was just on my mind. And um, you know what? I don't remember exactly <laughs> how the connectors all happened. Yeah. like he can swim. He's on a water polo team. So what I do with him is I once I have a, a base truth, 
which is like I'm trying to I want him to be bilingual then I start lying yes <laughs> so it's really like the f- it's it's not even like you get midway through the story and you lie you really are like the first thing is true and then I'll just use yeah, that as I mean, like a yes. writing prompt yeah 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 so his name is not Muhammad <laughs> and, no and, <laughs> but um but yeah then I start because I don't want him to feel like I'm actually um taking from his real life and yeah. just making jokes about it immediately I, I start to lie pretty quickly about it so I, I imagine it was sort of like you do this thing and mm-hmm. you're like well what are ways maybe he's like not great at speaking spanish or whatever and you're like what are ways he would speak spanish and then you're just sort of like are those sort of ruminations you do at home or is that a thing that you do you ever go on stage and would you talk about something like that or is it, are you i think well, I'm not, to... i am not marinesque yes <laughs> i don't go up with like half-baked ideas and find stuff on stage i sort of We'll come up with little tags and then go, oh, and then try to write something a little more formed off stage. I don't I guess maybe I don't have that kind of trust in my um, of myself that he does. I do remember thinking like I've I've traveled internationally and uh, and and with my son, too, and and been like, I'm in a dangerous situation with a seven year old and. I'm not in America right now. <laughs> like, yeah. And so maybe that may have been sitting in my brain of of you need to be able to speak enough of a foreign language to save your life in yeah. when you're in that country. In that way, in terms of, you know, what happens so often in this podcast, I'll ask people how do they write and writing for comedians can mean a, m- a million different things, right? Writing for a comedian to be like Mark Maron where he goes on stage and he'll just talk about whatever the topic is for like two years and somehow something will happen. <laughs> or I, I imagine... Some like there are people who type or they write it longhand, like in sort of what is the most in terms of getting to the first draft of this joke on, on the most basic level, what is writing for you? It's uh, my little moleskin, just little little notes in a moleskin. And then I'll try to it, I'll I'll maybe have a joke and then it, it works or I can see how it can work. And then I'll just keep hitting hitting at it very slowly. It's like tag by tag. <laughs> very it's a very slow building yeah. process. So you'll have for something like this, you'll you'll have the sort of you know the beats of a thing like this and you'll know what the jokes are. Yeah. And then at that point you'll talk on stage and riff within a pretty tight framework. You know, once I had I'm doing this. I have another bit now that's sort of similar in that it's longer and it's about it's a story about him that's sort of based on the truth and then goes, which I don't feel guilty about, by the way. You know, like I'm a writer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The truth to me is almost always dull. And I never believe any moth story. I'm like, I know you fucking made half that shit up. But good for you. It's a good story. It's interesting because, like, I think I asked a lot of comedians the thing about doing this podcast it's so exciting when we'll be like, what part's true? And be like, at some point this happened and everything is a lie. Or I had Chris Gethard on. He was yeah. like, at some point this was true. And then I had Mike Birbiglia on uh, what will be last week. And he he's like, the tr- it's all true, but what is not true is all the things that I'm removing from the story. Uh, right, right, right. Because right. it's yeah. like, um, this story will have an arc, but what they don't know is like the three years of me living like a normal life. But for you, it's just sort of like, the true part is a feeling that you started, yes. and then you're just then you're a writer. The feeling is true, and then then I start writing jokes that'll work in a nightclub on a Friday night late show. That's that's my like worst case scenario is the audience is half drunk and not paying attention. <laughs> and how can I make sure this joke works for them? Do they think it's true? Like what are it's told like a story of true events? Yeah, and I wonder if they're like, whoa, what a crazy like, or do you think it's just sort of like, oh, this is not real? 
I'm trying to think of what is the line that you you have to have some truth. As long as they're laughing, yeah. I don't care you how don't they ask them. think about it after the show. For me, like I had the last line, puta. Um, <laughs> it's whore. The last line is whore. It's yeah, not yeah. like, wow, what a great, what a writer. <laughs> yes. But, you know, it got a good laugh. So then I started to play around with everything in the middle, like the story of it. And I had a, you know, it was hard to come up with a way to, you know, I'm letting my son drown and for people not to peel off yeah. <laughs> from the joke at that point. Um, so that took some doing. And uh, and what I just knew if I had a big laugh at the end, I could mess around for like a minute. I think I worked it out a lot at the stand when I was in New York, whenever I would go back for the weekends. Um, you know, you're doing a 15, 12 minute set in front of a an audience that's wants a lot of jokes really fast so you'd you don't you can't fuck around for 10 minutes on one joke you yeah. know like one minute that ha- is bookended by a good laugh or or ends in a good laugh that's still a long minute if everything you try doesn't work yeah you know or if it, it unnerves people I, I wrote down my uh favorite lines and um though some they're just sort of little lines that are just add to a it builds yeah and yeah, it's just yeah. sort of you're just getting a rolling, and yeah. I think it helps. The Conan crowd was very hot because there's a couple people you can hear their specific laugh yeah. building. But um, I'm going to throw out some of my favorite lines and see if you remember okay. anything about coming up with them. Which is um, so the first big laugh, which I just sort of love of how you say it, which is so it's like anyway, a couple of Domingos ago. <laughs> I I actually don't know why that gets a laugh, but I, I'm grateful it does because the deviation right before it is hit or miss of... Um, You're explaining the... I'm explaining the, that I would let my son die. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> some people don't find that amusing or they're or they're shocked or they're like, what? Yeah. You know, and they're, they're not on board immediately um, with this I, idea that it's going to be funny. It's funny how casual you are after you set up what this thing is. <laughs> like, okay. So I set this thing up. Yeah. It's bad. And yeah. we're like... So now you tell the story. Oh, like, I, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other problem with it is is uh, how much to explain. Like, I yeah. assume everyone understands a little bit of Spanish, but yeah. not like there are parts of the country that don't know what I'm saying whatsoever. So I have to explain it a little bit more in the setup. Domingo is Spanish. Or, you know, it, it gets a little cumbersome. You yeah. have to explain it. It is a, a lot big thing to get out of the way at the top so yeah. that everyone can sort of follow along. So I I said, let's see what you got, Muhammad, which is a callback. Yeah. Which is, um, I feel like I'm talking about, you see fewer callbacks these days. I love a callback. I love callbacks. What do you like about it, I guess? To me, it's you're sewing something and you're taking a stitch and you're bringing it back to the top and then you're pulling it through again. And um, I mean, and, and it's it. It's a free laugh. Like you already wrote the joke and you get another laugh off of it. Yeah. Why won't you accept something that's free? I don't understand why comics don't build that. St- I mean, and it's there's a lot of times where where you don't you're, you have a lot of talking going on in a bit, and you and you don't have a joke for it, and maybe there's no room for it. It's like maybe that's the place where you just just peek up ahead three jokes and see what what's laying yeah. there, and see if you can bring it back in. Especially if you're going to do those sets of jokes together anyway. So you're you know they were they're going to be married no matter what. So you might as well see if you can. A line that I don't even think it gets a laugh. It's just sort of one of those things that you write in because it's a nice descriptor of the thing, which is he just shimmies out like a dolphin. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, that doesn't really get much of a laugh, but I thought it was a good enough image to help what's yeah. coming next. That's more for you. And then, yeah. so the end of the joke is Punta, but 
then you have the sort of tag that gets less of a laugh, but it's just a beautiful thing, which is like, oh my gosh, what a Mother's Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did that just sort of come up naturally? Like you didn't write that part, but it's sort of... I guess it it came up, and especially because the set was right around, right after Mother's Day, so it really worked pretty well there. I I can get get away with that till like September, and I have to drop so it. Like, for when like is this four story months. from? Yeah, because <laughs> I I do say a couple of Domingos ago, so you know, yes. at the most, it's like six weeks ago. Now, it, hopefully, people aren't sticklers, you know, and, and objecting time. to a joke because. <laughs> the comedy math doesn't add up. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of rewriting, as you're going back and forth, are you are you constantly, when you rewrite, do you rewrite then longhand? Like, are you sort of, you have a thing, you perform it, you record it, and listen back, do you then go back and type it out? Like, are you word for word rewriting in the way that um, other comedians who just sort of like hope they remember <laughs> might not? Sometimes I'm really good at it and sometimes I'm not. And I think once I get closer to a joke feeling finished, I'll maybe write it out. But it's almost maybe I'm maybe I'm just trying to give myself an easy out. But during the 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 early part where you're trying to figure out the sort of bones of it, I don't want to be too set in concrete because things go away. Yeah. You don't want to take out an article and then be like, why did I spend an hour deciding if that article needed to be there if I was going to remove that yes. sentence altogether? I do remember though that I I had I had it where I liked it and then it stopped working and I couldn't figure it out. And then I went back and listened to like a three month old version of it. And I was like, oh, I, I for some reason I dropped some part of it and I and I brought it back. And you can't tell what's good and what's not for a long time when you're when you're trying to figure these things out. Do you write at, write in the pauses and breathes and sm- like the breaths or the smiles? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> cool. I don't know. I was like, you have them. They feel deliberately, deliberately in them. I think um, that sort of happens organically when I figure when you can kind of tell when the audience is pulling away. All right, what do I have to do? Do I have to? Do I have to smile? I mean, I I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to smile. I, but I need to let you know I'm not a killer. From listening to your uh, your podcast, which I I, I, I love a lot because oh, cool. it's so Thanks. you really like. When you guys get on a roll, you talk about specificity of writing that, like, you really don't hear anywhere, I guess, but uh, this podcast. But um, (laughs) And Jackie always gets on you for being so specific in wording. And I want to see, maybe this will work, maybe it won't. Uh, I I transcribed the entire set. Oh, my God. (laughs) It it took much less time than I thought it was going to do. But I want to see if if you can look over and see if you remember any specific sentences that you did change a thing. Okay, so there's this thing where I say one of my white friends goes, wait a minute. For some reason, that got a laugh the first time I did it, and then it never got a laugh again. And then I just accepted, okay, I'm just, people are just listening. Yeah. But the first time I did it at Stand Up New York, the thought the thought that I would, that I, a white person, would label my friends white friends, you know, my white friends white friends, was uh, funny. I, maybe it's just one woman. Yeah, maybe that one woman was like, "Oh, she she figured out what you were saying, and no one else knows what." Yeah, the joke and no about. one else since. But yeah. she forced me to keep it in like that. Uh, oh, this this joke, love dies and children live. Yeah, I think I riffed it or something at at Flappers, and I forgot about it. It wasn't in my notebook, and then they they put up a like a like a picture of me, and they just quoted it, and I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> that's a good line." <laughs> so, cheers to Flappers for that one. They made it seem like that's your catchphrase. <laughs> I know. A line that you totally forgot. <laughs> or maybe I hadn't forgotten it, but I it was just another line. Um, I, I, it yeah. didn't stand out to me as anything I had to pursue vigorously. 
Matthew Broussard gave me a really great tweak um, on this. It turns out my son is Mexican. He's a Hispanic male, ages 9 to 11. And he gave me a tweak, Hispanic male, age 10 to 30, which works so much better. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because that just seems, it, it more puts it more on the cops of like every Hispanic. Yeah. I don't know what they are, but they've got to be arrested. That's amazing. The sort of like, you know how you say that that is truly like when people are like the numbers of it, like, oh, this, it seems such a small change, but it, it does yeah, it create a completely different a lot. picture. Yeah. And it gets a much better laugh. I still feel like there should be a joke where I, when I say, so I make them take a lot of Spanish classes. Uh, I've, I've kind of done a, a little bit of a little extra there. I'm so used to the rhythm of this bit that yeah. I, it's hard for me to deviate from it because then then I'm like then when I do I'm like where am I in this thing because it's just worn <laughs> down because you did it so many times yes it's it's set in place a joke about a phrase he learns in Spanish but then then again it's like do I explain Spanish like you know when it the thing I've been work saying is like donde está la biblioteca which to me is the first thing you learn in Spanish classes where is the yeah, library yeah or it's the joke of what is the thing people know in Spanish enough that I think people get it yeah is there a thing you know, El Gato, do people know cat? I, I don't know what they know. I, you know, so part and part of me is like, I should work that out. And part of me is like, yeah, you're done with this one. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> I have a second line that they asked me not to do. Oh, why was where that? I, 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 well, I changed it to Catholic church from nearby church. Yeah. I changed it to Catholic church. And then I say, the priest ran after me. He said, I like him young, but not that young. And then they boo me and I go, yes, I agree. Boo that priest. <laughs> But the Conan was like, that's too much. Yeah, or J maybe it was just JP. Or just yeah. like, yeah. I kind of get the feeling he doesn't like pedophile priest jokes. So, you know, why? It's okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't a fight you needed. Especially because it has to set up. That's not even the main part of the joke. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's like an extra, <laughs> yeah. an extra tag. And it's a road tag. I started with $17 an hour. And I cut it back a little bit just so the math would be stranger yeah. to sixteen fifty, and then the sum would be eighty two fifty, which is again like some sometimes when it's oddly specific, it seems to get a better laugh. I, I talked about this on Jackie and Lori's show, but there's another joke in here that I couldn't that I I just it it really slows the whole thing down. Of um, my son has a he's darker than I am. I don't mean skin color. I mean he loves rape jokes <gasps> and. Never gets a laugh. People are people are like into it, and then they're aghast. And then so I tried to change it to abortion jokes, and there's no there's yeah. no there's no way to get a laugh on it that doesn't interrupt the flow of that chunk. Yeah, it's hard to know what to say. Darkness, yeah, equate darkness to right, exactly, right, because yeah. it's by what happens with that is that you're essentially saying he's a darker comedian than you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is that's all. It, there's a lot of problems with yes. that idea. <laughs> So you took that part out because you're like, no one. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think it would have gotten on the show anyway, but I, I really wanted that to be the fourth joke in that in that chunk, which is Mohammed, a uh, cop and then Spanish. I wanted that to be the fourth one. But it but unless it's like a super alty room, uh, it's not it, it stops the momentum. of yeah, it. Yeah. You need a room in which they assume everyone is a comedian. They are a comedian. Everyone they yeah. know is a comedian, including your son. Yes, yes. So it's got to be booked by a comic yeah, at yeah. A, a beer garden here sure. in Los Angeles. You mentioned it briefly, but I believe Kona is a show where you, you'll work with the producer in terms of what the set 
is or isn't where some shows i know seth meyers they don't have a producer who books it so then the person just does whatever they do oh really yeah unless yeah wow unless there's um they'll look over the transcript of it to make sure there isn't like slander of an ad for that one you know like that's really it and like but they don't have a producer for it like they book that show just by word of mouth wow so it's like the writers will be like oh this person's funny and they're like okay we have nice (laughs) that's really it Wow, that's co- that's really nice. Uh, but at Conan, they work with you. What is what is beyond sort of the joke they say cut because they find offensive or whatever? What what is working with mean and something like that? Was there something added? You know, there there. You know, like what is the back and forth like? Um, JP had had seen a couple sets, so he had some ideas like on which jokes he liked, and then uh, I countered because I thought, well, that joke doesn't to me that joke doesn't work great without this joke. So let's, you know, if if you don't want the B joke, then let's or the A joke, let's not do the B joke. And so I I made a transcript for him. I I timed each joke. And it's I I worked it a lot in New York because oh we had a hiatus week. So the, I just went to New York and did like 30, 30 sets or something. Yeah, you you I you talk a lot about like going to New York to do as many sets as possible. Yes. What is it about New York versus L.A. in general. Like, what do you like about, what does New York offer you that L.A. does not? I think the audience is way more demanding. I think in L.A., people, there's a lot of performers here, and people are a lot more patient, which is fun, but I don't think it prepares you for a TV set, you know? And I don't think, I think they put up with a lot. Not all the crowds, like maybe not in all the, like maybe not the comedy store on a Saturday night or something, but a lot of the rooms that I work out in, I feel like they're, they will indulge you. And I know that's not healthy. (laughs) And so if you have to, if you're, you know, you go up at the stand and you're following Big J, you better fucking have every joke better be (laughs) tight. Yeah. You know? So, oh, so you're saying, so you go to New York and then you're, you had off weeks, but you were talking to JP. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we kind of had the sets ready to go and then i came back to la on let's see sunday and i i think i was doing the set on a thursday so i had a couple nights in la to work it out and it it just didn't it wasn't hitting like the first it took a while and i i forget what joke i had up front i may have taken it out and asked him if i could open with a masturbation joke which apparently was slightly controversial <laughs> to me that's like an old joke so i'm like oh this old saw whatever <laughs> but it works you know an old joke to you or an old sort of general idea to play with um oh i had been doing that joke for two years you yeah, know yeah. so i'm like ugh. but i'm like it, this will yeah. get me in where i need to go that's uh, you know after you do a joke for a while you're just like everyone knows that joke i've been doing it for two years yeah every, yeah they're all obsessed with me <laughs> yeah <laughs> everything re- revolves around me everyone knows that joke um and uh and he okayed it and then i remember but i still kept going up on these weird shows where i'm like i'm gonna bomb i c- in la like i couldn't get a, a feel for it and um, then I did Aaron Foley's Gays R Us at the Improv, and it was packed, and everything hit. And it was – I think it was the night before or maybe the night the night before. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's okay. But I was pretty freaked out. Well, and because I work on the show, I kind of know a little bit about what was going on. Mike Tyson was going to be the lead guest that night, and that was also stressing me out 
Because I'm like, I don't want people to be unsettled by him, you know, because I know he's popular, but there's a lot of people that remember he was jailed yeah. for rape. And uh, maybe I don't know. I just don't want that energy. You don't want that in the air. And then he canceled and the director of Wonder Woman, Patty Jenkins, and it had just come out and she was like wildly popular. So it was such a great like Switch female up. energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so relieved. Uh, we'll be back with more Laurie Kilmartin after this word from our sponsor. Hi, uh, I'm just going to take a quick moment from talking to a comedian to talk to you, the listener of this podcast, and literally my best friend. So, uh, yes, you guessed it. This is one of those ads where a podcast host asks people to rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Can you please do that? It helps tremendously uh, with our position in the Apple Podcast algorithm, or as Kenan Thompson says, as Al Sharpton, the algorithm. So please write a review. If you need help with what to say in uh, this review, how about either good or number one in the foreign language you took in high school? So I might write a review uh, that says bueno or numero uno. Not bad. Uh, So thank you so much for doing it. Uh, I love you so much. Uh, And now back to me. We are back with Lori Kilmarnan. Uh, so uh, we're now at the day of the show. We walked right up to it. So um, how m- memorized are you with the set? Sort of be like, you know, every word, every beat. Yes. And how do you sort of balance that with not seeming like you're reading lines? I don't know. I guess at that point, you're you just you go out and you try to forget your set. Like I, yeah. I would I wrote it a bunch of times in my notebook. I just kept writing it out, you know. Um, like we're like line by line by line and then just trying to remember each transition. So like at the end of this joke, the next sentence is this one, because that's my real fear is that you'd finish a joke and you only get the set list, the exact order, you know, down like in the last couple days. And then your brain's like, wait, what's the next one? Um, so the transition from joke to joke was always really important. And I just come up with some little trick of like how did this one leads to this one, this one leads to this one, you know? Yeah. Uh, just some, it's like studying for an exam, you know, at the last second, yeah. you just come up with little things to remember that you will immediately forget as soon as the exam's over. But there's that feeling right before, you know, the, the host or whoever's announcing your name, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm done. This is, let's just see what happens, yeah. you know, and you can't control it anymore. You're still the other, per- like, it's like the idea that you can't control it anymore. Now you are going to do something. Like, it does feel like it's interesting that there's the you you speak of it as there's the you who wrote these jokes, who prepared yeah. on these jokes. Yeah. And then there's the you that are going to have to tell those jokes. Yeah. The little, like, this sounds really dumb, but the little girl inside <laughs> who wanted to be famous or whatever, you know, that one that, that when there's a laugh, it feels like a warm bath, like a, like, like stars are being sprinkled on your body. Yeah. Like that, that, that person that heard that and was like, oh, I want that forever. Yeah. Like that's. That's who gets to have fun for the next five minutes. Uh, uh, on your podcast, you had Jackie uh, record you the moments before the set or before the show started. We just was, we just started, yeah. It was fantastic, and I rec- recommend anyone uh, listen to that episode. But what I particularly loved was you're watching Conan do the monologue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Speaker Paul Ryan defended Donald Trump's behavior, saying the president's new at this. Oh, my God. True. Ryan said, and by this, I mean following the law. <laughs> oh, my God. That was mine, too. That's yours as well? Yes. A pie on that All right. One. That's awesome. And that got a cheer. Yay. 
Okay, I think they're good. Yeah, it's going to be great. Oh, it's man. It's going to be great. And then he does an impression. That's awesome. <laughs> I, love, I love when one when when of your jokes gets him to act out something. It's like, ah, <laughs> thank God. What are you listening for? Um, did you change anything once you're hearing how the, what the crowd was? Do you remember? Maybe you don't remember that, but do you, what, do you, what were you listening for? I just wanted to know if they were a good crowd. Um, I wanted to know if they the laugh was long or short. I wanted to see if Conan had to work. Like I can tell when he has to immediately work with an audience and, you know, and like pump them up, you know, or if he gets to kind of uh, sail with them a little bit, you know, and they seemed really, really good. And I was relieved. I mean, that doesn't mean they're going to be good for the the comic, but it's a good, it's a good sign. You know what their potential is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that was amazing is that you're still like listening to see if you got jokes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Even though you've been doing it for all these years and you're about to be on the show, you're still yeah. like, oh, I hope I get Oh, yeah. Of- I'm like, I, I knew I, I left the room maybe like an hour early for makeup and stuff like that. But um, I had stuff in when I left. But, you know, think up to the very last second, he can, you know, take jokes out. I want to talk a little bit about monologue joke writing because uh, it's an interesting sort of skill that is tangentially and very much related, obviously. You've talked generally about the logistics of how you guys do the where it is you'll generate a bunch of premises alone and then you'll pull them together and you all will write to those premises and you'll generate you know well over a hundred jokes and then Conan will choose from those yeah. jokes. But sort of on a personal level, like what is happening in your brain when you 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 write a monologue joke? It's sort of what is the premise? What is the process of that? How is it different from your stand up? I imagine. The setup is the truth. So you're like, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. And then what happens? You kind of first you you get the your host's voice in your head and you just have a se- separate track in your brain that you have, of things you know he likes and stuff, you know. And some jokes come really quickly and and they're and they're good. And some some are a labor and they're awful. And sometimes the awful ones get picked <laughs> because they work. It's hard to say. I, I, I know when I'm stumped um, or well, in the morning, I feel really good because yeah. the news stories are all fresh. I think the hardest thing is by two in the afternoon, the news cycle hasn't changed that much. And you've read every story and it's like, all right, let me go. Let me go back to this idea that I already tried to write jokes for three times already today. Let me see if I can find another angle. That gets really tough. A few months back, you tweeted something that, um, as you are well aware, I was obsessed with. And, <laughs> uh, and so what you tweeted was a list of transitions, essentially. After yeah. you have this setup, which is the truth, yeah. phrases you can use to sort of Sort of someplace else. Somewhere yes. place else. I mean, if you were to just look at a ton of monologue jokes, you could see all of the transitions. Yeah. The second sentence always starts with one. So I just kind of, I compiled a lot of them and kept them as, you know, together in one document. But I mean, it's, it, they aren't state secrets. If no, you listen to a monologue, you can, you can pick out the transitions. If you can kind of go through a few and kind of explain how one might be used if you remember a specific example. Oh, man. You know, sometimes if you have like there's a so take that, right? Yeah. Which is you're stumped on something and this one allows you to restate it in a different way, which means you don't sometimes you're like, I I don't know where to go with this one. And then it's like, oh, it's already the jokes already in the setup and you just kind of restate it. I was trying to think of a fictional example would be like this penguin did this thing. So it's like, take that, penguins who do that thing. Exactly. 
it helps you take you out of your habits, you know? And my my habits, you know, with political jokes is I tend to be a little heavy and pointed and not ha-ha, you know? Yeah. And Conan's really silly. So anything that gets me just in a sillier direction is good. And so I'll just start scrolling through these. And maybe I won't use one of these exactly, but it'll just move my brain one degree, yeah. my focus just a little bit over, and then I can come up with something different. Uh, upon closer inspection, so n- now you can go, you can go left or right yeah. because you're going to say something else happened. Um, phase one, in keeping with tradition, in keeping with regulation, without giving too much away, it's better than his usual response. I mean, all of them are. They just help you curve. If, if you if you look at uh, premises, the next word will keep you in a straight line. Yeah. And so one transition will have you curl up over. One ha- will have you curl to the right, to the left, underneath, and all these directions your brain doesn't normally go. Yeah, because it either will bring you back to restate a version of the yes. or bring you right or left to make up a lie that's unrelated. Right, right, Or right. forward to sort of like escalate the absurdity of a thing. Like some, this is somebody else's, it's not mine. Later when the cameras were off, I was like, oh, that's a way to, you know, just totally void. Yes, yeah. This custom, like especially a Trump statement is so ridiculous that it's hard, you can't amplify it. So if you can just take it around a different way, it's very helpful. Much better than the original is a good way to come up with another version of what was said. That still doesn't explain. And then and then again, you're free to just do something r- ridiculous or s- silly, you know? Out of habit is a way to make fun of – I always think that's like a Mitt Romney joke. Just It's a way to point out an, a way that, that the Yeah, the type of thing of you would imagine is. he would do. Yes, yeah, out yes, of habit. Yes. He ate that robot or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> My examples of what punchlines are are not correct. Um, so we're back to the set. Okay. Uh, you mentioned before you sort of viewed the first half uh, of the set as getting the audience on board so you can pull off the second half, which is a much harder sort of mm-hmm. comedic thing. It's longer. The jokes are less clear where they are. Sort of what about your persona did you need them to understand or wanted them to understand? I'm tired. So uh, uh, I'm doing the best I can, and my best is not very good. <laughs> but I mean well. Yeah. And the, and the reason I'm tired is I'm a single mom, and X, Y, and joke, 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 joke. And yeah. he's a boy, and he's 10 years old, and joke, 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 joke. And and um, th- hopefully that puts you in my shoes of I don't have a lot of clay to work with here, but I'm trying to make a statue. Your comedy walks a very specific line in terms of its sort of darkness or, or or edginess. And I think it's like, well, of course she would have thoughts like that. She's so tired from doing all those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I think in so much as like every every comedian's like, oh, political correctness is ruining comedy. And there's like political correctness is saving it. But I think your comedy like understands that you want to push a certain amount of buttons and not whatever, all of the but- buttons. Mm-hmm. What is your relationship to when you're doing this sort of edgier jokes. What do you want? What is the sort of line that you try to approach? Well, I I don't know. I just want to get away with something and still get a laugh. Yeah. So th- I guess that's it. It depends on the the joke, right? Well, it's like you 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 are watching your son in this joke. You're watching your son drown. Right. 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 And the biggest, but I've given him an out. Yes. All he has to do to save himself is correctly conjugate. And, the, and truly, the, the biggest laugh or one of the biggest laugh is the part where he goes underwater for a few minutes to think. <laughs> yeah. Is your son your muse? And what does it mean to sort of have a muse 20 years in, getting this muse 20 20 years into doing comedy? 
Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Um, he definitely is. And uh, but it, it's it's strange. Like I I really want to make sure I talk about me and not him because I I remember as an audience member or just you know someone who was childless. As soon as someone would start telling ch- stories about their kids, I would be tune out immediately. Oh, my kid said this. Isn't that so funny? He's like, oh, it's not. It's yeah. not. <laughs> it's never funny. And if it is funny, I don't believe you. I think you made it up. I don't think he said it. Has your son heard your comedy written about him? Do you want him to? I mean, it seems like um, you're talking about before. You want to have enough to inspire you, but not enough that you are essentially telling the story of his life. Right. You're, you're taking ownership over something that is his. Yeah. So, like, ha- is that a thing that you are navigating with him, like, in real time? He'll go to a club sometimes and sit in the green room and play, you know, uh, on the iPad. And I think he's kind of half listening and not. He'll make fun of the jokes that I tell yeah. about him and that I updated Minecraft to Fortnite. Like, you know, he's like, you're a hack. <laughs> it is It is strange to have him muse after after 20 years because I had him, um, it was boyfriends or, you know, whoever or what what city I was living in. Yeah. I was moving to New York and New Yorkers and people on the subway and all that kind of stuff, you know, that you that you're that you're hit in the face with when you first moved to New York City. And and uh and now I feel like I keep getting hit in the face with with the challenge of 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 the responsibility of making a good person. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of gets me to I was thinking about um, 45 jokes about uh, my dead dad, which was a special you did. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory what it was. <laughs> uh, and a special I, I, I love. I, I, my dad died in, in March, so I, I feel like of the Kubler-Ross uh, five stages, I've been through three. Uh, denial, anger, Twitter. <laughs> uh, this might be four, the stand-up special. <laughs> and then five is finding distribution. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, it's an L.A. audience. You know exactly <laughs> what the stages of death and dying are. I was thinking about what we were just talking about, and I think about that and the sort of uh, mindset about if comedy is an art form or a craft, a question I sort of like think back and forth. Sort of uh, For a thing like 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad, which you wrote sort of while your dad was in hospice and then immediately afterwards, and also just sort of as you're experiencing your son's life, you know, an artist might say, yeah, like, this is my life and my job is to put like my life into my art. Uh, a craftsman might be like, what I do is write jokes. So when like life exists, I, I just sort of put it in jokes. You don't have to sort of pick one or the other, but, you know, what is it for you? You know, how do you view your relationships to the jokes that you tell as it relates to your life and sort of writing your jokes? Joke writing, I think, is like the cone inside of my head. And it now it bleeds over into how I write for myself now. But I, my act, it feels very, it feels like relief and my personal time. Um, and uh, it feels like mine, you know? I, I'm not political on stage. I don't do any political jokes on stage because um, it doesn't interest me on stage. It, I, can, I can see it dividing the room and I don't want that. I want I want to write dark jokes that everyone laughs at or most people laugh at. And I guess I just want to aggressively document my life on this earth. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know how that how that divvies up, you know, but I do know the the uh, the the craft part of joke writing, I, I think I got a lot better at it when I started writing for Conan. Yeah. And um, and just that you have to do so many every single day. And you, the feeling of, I have nothing left, but I have to write 10 more jokes. So I'll find something. That that kind of helps me um, 
work on jokes in my in my in my act as well. But they feel very, very separate. What is it about telling your story and documenting your life fully as you do that you want laughs to do it? Well, it's not fully. Yeah. Like I don't document it fully. I I I take part little pieces of it and then I blow it up. So it's not it's not fully documented sure. at all. It's just a version of my life that I I think is funny on a Friday night. So, uh, as I told you before, I wanted to uh, apologize for something. Oh, my gosh. I believe, I believe this was you, so I hope so. So a few years ago, I wrote a piece about Ali Wong. And I think in the piece, I made it seem like she was the, the only comedian ever really to do a stand-up pregnant. Yeah. Uh, because, but I think that was a general consent. It wasn't just vulture. It was no, a lot I, of... That I, was how it was presented. Yes, and I was... To my my own credit, I was one of the earliest people to write about okay. it because it was arresting in the sort of global sphere. Of, yeah. But I think like anything with sort of comedy more recently, we oversubscribe how revolutionary it is. Yeah. What I think is interesting is she did this thing that is not actually that unprecedented. You, as you you noted, you, I think you're saying you're doing sets at Aspen pregnant. Where was it the coverage of sort of that? Oh, yeah. I was on a Ala- I flew to Alaska six months pregnant. <laughs> I mean, I, and Corey Kahaney did her half hour on Comedy Central pregnant. Lisa Landry did. Uh, Kira Sultanovich self-released uh, um, uh, a special. She um, was seven months at the same time, you know? So, and those those are just friends off the top of my head. Carrie Louis. I mean, I could, sure, there's, yes. yeah, I'm sorry. You're like, I get it, I get it. <laughs> no, I think you're just like, I was wrong and I, this, I was happy to, I, this years <laughs> of making my apology for it. But I think what is true was that people really latched onto it. Now. Yeah, yeah. And that is probably the thing that is, I mean, I couldn't have guessed that people were going to latch onto it, but like, that seemed very different. And I yeah. Think, I mean, it was cool that people liked it instead of thinking of it like, Ugh, you know, yeah. or just like it was weird and awful. Like people liked that she was pregnant. And that's that's something like I know Lisa Landry, I'm pretty sure hit it, you know, and she wow. was six months out. I think she just pretended it wasn't happening, you know. So um, the fact that Allie could be aggressively pregnant um, was really cool. What I l- like most about uh, or one of the things I like most about your and Jackie's podcast is how clear-headed you are about how comedy has changed. I think you're particularly good at having living through a change and seeing it and mm-hmm. not being mad at a change happening. Where oh, I think we're lot, mad. <laughs> sorry, not being so cynical about yeah. a change happening. <laughs> right, right. Sorry, you can be mad because that's part of the question. <laughs> but as you're seeing this, you know, how are like what is your balance of this change? Because a lot of it, you know, there's this boom in which I think you've remarked that sort of audiences are getting savvier, um, but also might not know certain things. What is your balance of being excited about wherever comedy is and annoyed and jealous and mad? Where are you about what and what have you seen that is affecting you sort of most about whatever has changed? Well, I mean, I love that there's a boom and I love that stand up. It And it feels the I guess the earlier boom in the 90s felt or what was temporary for you know it went away but this feels a little more permanent like it's just a shift in what americans enjoy yeah you know which is great and i'm glad i never quit you know and i know some people that did quit and and i'm bet they're sorry they did you know jackie and i i think we talked about it in the one we're gonna do release on monday but we're still we're thrilled at all the opportunities women have and jealous that we didn't have those opportunities when we were at the age that hollywood likes you to be which is painful and there's and and it's there's nothing i could do about it um and we know it's not good to live in that 
anger, <laughs> but it's sometimes you're like, oh, like, you know, it just took so long to headline um, on the road. And now we, you know, we see female comics that are like five or seven years in and they're headlining. And it's like, oh my God, that they never would have allowed, they just didn't allow yeah. it. Yeah. I think you write that the piece uh, you wrote in the New York Times about sort of beyond just sort of Louis, just sort of all things, you're like, the idea that there's just clubs that wouldn't even think to book a woman as a headliner for most of your career. And now you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't, they're not, all yeah, of course, necessarily. Yeah, but I mean, there's it's where Jackie has been getting people to send her, you know, um, screenshots of calendars and stuff. And it's still pretty grim, the male to headliner, male yeah. to female headliner ratio. But but yeah, it is it is frustrating. I, I felt like I'm never gonna be able to headline until I'm like 40 or something, you know, and um, it's just it's just different now. You you the a lot of not all of them, and there's a lot of female comics that are still struggling and stuff um, with extra sexism that the their male counterparts aren't. But some of them get a lot more women get put on a track of okay, we're gonna you, you'll do this for two years and then and then you're gonna headline for in it and it's so it happens so early in their careers, yeah. and it seems like the industry is more excited about them, whereas we just had to keep yelling and seeming like we were always in a bad mood, you know, pay attention to us, you know? I was listening to an interview and you said you feel like you're, you're keep on getting better. You know, you, you said like, I feel like I'm better than I was a year ago. I, it, there's a certain sort of conventional wisdom that like, oh, a comedian after 10 years is really sort of themselves and then sort of a blob, of, a blur of sort of when, what is the improvement chain after 10 years? What does it mean to now that you're 31 years in? Yeah, 87. To be yeah. better, what are you better at? What are you keep on getting better at? Hmm. You know, maybe I'm not better. <laughs> but I, I, I feel like I keep generating new good jokes. That's about it. Maybe with comedy, is if you don't slide, that's really yeah. getting better. Because it's real. I I also feel like part of me. I have like this chip on my shoulder of you know not having had the what I consider to be the sort of welcome to show business. Let me get you to Montreal right away, yeah. and still not having had the comedy success that I feel like I wish I had. So that anger sort of keeps me sharp and helps me keep pushing myself. I guess, but um. It's weird. I I have a ton of VHS tapes that I just digitized, and I'm sort of slowly going through them. I I had a thought of like tracking certain premises over the years, like you know I'm never gonna have a kid. Like when I was 25, uh, and then you know I would have a kid if there's a couple there's a couple years of those jokes, and then I'm six months pregnant, <laughs> and um, so kind of like doing that with a couple different topics, but um. Maybe I'm not better. Maybe I'm I'm just more – maybe I'm faster at, at mm -hmm. writing stuff, and that might be from writing for Conan. I'm faster at, at figuring out what the good part is and getting to it quicker, maybe, but maybe I'll take, not. I'll take, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> you, you know, it's hard to judge yourself accurately at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that sound means it's time for our, our final segment, which is it's the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing okay. round. Do you have to explain that to every comic? When, yeah, yeah. Okay. And people uh, hate it. Okay. That explain that explained everything. Yeah. And to me, I love it so much. I, Domingo is Spanish for Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to my house. Yeah. 
So uh, do you have a joke? Joke? No, I don't. I don't know any. Great. So uh, is there a joke that if you could steal, you'd like to steal it in so much that um, you'd be removing it from someone else's like life? Like It's not like people would know. It's sort of it's a parallel universe in which that joke was always yours and no one know. And maybe a little bit you would know that it was someone else's, but it, ultimately it's a joke that someone else has that you can have. The, just the thought of it makes me uncomfortable inside. Oh, interesting. I did accidentally steal a Mitch Hedberg joke. You remember what, what is the joke? It's um, The joke is when uh, people say, I, I, I don't care if someone's black, white, green, or purple. And then it was something like, if, if they're purple, you should care. They're choking to death or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has something like that. Yeah, that little turn. So that that scarred me that that that. I see you. You literally are like I can't. Im- the the fear that I would accidentally I would have another person's joke in my set is yes, is yeah, yeah. So and day. just that that you would let your brain go. Oh well, if I could, st- you know, and start shopping, shoplifting at somebody, it's it's uh, really disturbing to me. What do you eat before a show? The worst feeling is when you have when you realize you're on stage and you have food in your mouth. I guess I try to eat something like bready that doesn't really stay there you know popcorn is the worst thing to have it will come flying out of your mouth during jokes and the there's a light on you so it's it's you can see it leave your mouth and the audience can see it and it's a slow motion horror do you have a joke that uh never worked or mostly never works but in your head is always so funny and you'll go to your grave thinking it's funny, but ultimately at this point, you can't try to convince audiences that it is. Um, it would be that joke of my my son's uh, my son's darker than I am. That That's I the one that you're like, that's funny. Yeah, because Jimmy Pardo told me he liked it, and I'm like, he hates jokes, so if he <gasps> liked it, it's okay. Can you do an impression of yourself? No, I can't. But I, I can tell when someone has seen me. There's somebody in New York, and she's not doing stand-up anymore, but somebody else said, she's doing your timing. And I and I hadn't noticed it before, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that kind of is my timing. Is it because you heard it? It's like, she's great. <laughs> she's my favorite. <laughs> what but, is something about her that I just love? You know what's weird is like a lot of Attell's openers have sounded like him for a long time. And it's I always thought it was so odd that he would either pick people that did sound like him or they started to sound like him because they were working with him so often, but that he wasn't, he was okay with that. Yeah, that's weird. But it is flattering, isn't it? It's flattering. It is funny to have it as your, it's, there's plenty of people that sound like Attell. It is weird to have your opener be like, uh, so what you'll expect is just a better version of this sort of time. <laughs> I'm preparing you for the timing. Uh, I think we're good. <laughs> I think that's the really? End. That's it for another episode of Good One. You can watch Lori Kilmartin's Conan Spot on YouTube. You can buy her book, Dead People Suck, wherever books are sold. You can buy or listen to her albums, Five Minutes to Myself, and 41 Jokes About My Dead Dad, wherever you stream. And you can listen to her podcast, The Jackie and Lori Show, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Lori on Twitter, at AnnieLori16. Good One is produced by Mike Comte, with production help from Marissa Melnick, and research help from Matthew Silver. Justin D. Wright to their theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, uh, please. Uh, And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them. You know what the hell. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new episode and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.